Hello and welcome back to the Get Your Fix podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things fandom, good, bad, and ugly. I am your host, Vaughn, and I am so excited to be recording the next episode. Um, You all are super wonderful about the pilot, so I'm excited to continue this project with you. Um, And I am really excited to have my very first guest today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Joelle, and I'm a friend of Vaughn's, and we've been friends for five years now. Yeah, wow. Um, And... Quite honestly, it started all because of our topic today. That is so true. <laughs> Natural segue. Love that. Yeah. So this is going to be the first of many, many K-pop episodes, probably. Um, and uh, we are going to be talking about a specific K-pop group, co- group called Seventeen today. Um, a lot of our friendship kind of revolves around Seventeen. But we became friends before I liked Seventeen. Yes. So it's not the total foundation. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're going to be chatting about Seventeen today. Um, and I have a pretty long relationship with K-pop, um, but in a somewhat new relationship with Seventeen. So I'm excited to talk to you about it today. Me too. So yeah, just to like get us started, I thought it would be fun to kind of do like a brief overview of Seventeen as a group, kind of let it, leveling the playing field for the conversation that we're going to have. And I thought it'd be really fun if you gave the overview of 17 as the resident carrot of our friend group. Sure. So I got into 17 in the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. So that was their like clap era. Um, a lot of our friends agree is like a very prominent like era for 17, but to take you back to 2015, 17 debuted um, actually, on today's date, eight years ago, um, May 26th, and they are a group of 13 guys, and there are three subgroups kind of within the group. There's a performance unit, a hip-hop unit, and a vocal unit, and they're all goofy. They're all <laughs> <laughs> um, great guys from what we can tell, um, and I think that kind of is what connects a lot of people to 17 Mm -hmm. is they have a very personalized emotional connection with a lot of carrots and they do that through a lot of fan service and they have a really cool vibe. They're self-producing their performance team or vocal team leader. Woozy is the main producer for the group and um, writes basically all of their songs um, and it's just a very great writer and yeah. connects to a lot of people. And I think we've talked about this a lot is mm-hmm. that each part of their journey has like connected to where we are in that journey. Yeah. So like they're 17 recent, is for millennials. Yeah. 17 <laughs> is very much for millennials. When they debuted, it was like that era that we were all in. And then especially now it's their era very much connects to our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've grown really, with them. Yeah, we have. A lot, which is cool. Yeah. And they're the type of band that, like, you can connect to them at any time of your life. Mm-hmm. And you can find them at any point and still love them. 
Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's especially true for like our individual relationship with them, which is why I wanted you to be the guest for my 17 episode. Um, because our like journeys with 17 are very different. Um, and we still like love them the same, which is cool. Yeah. So thank you for that little brief overview. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not uh, familiar with k-pop as a genre or a community uh korean pop music has obviously exploded in the united states over the last several years particularly i feel like during covid like i feel like we came out of where we're at now in the pandemic and just like exploded with these international tours um but it wasn't always like that so k-pop has obviously been popular in uh asia for a really long time um but it wasn't as explosive as it is now in the States. Um, It was really pretty niche and like ethnic enclaves in the United States, particularly in like Asian American enclaves. Um, And so the first group that I actually ever heard of was Girls' Generation, like way, way back in the day, like in middle school. (laughs) Long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, a really long time ago. But I didn't become a fan of K-pop until like the spring of 2016 is when I really actually started listening to K-pop actively instead of, like, passively through my friends. Yeah. And, like Joel mentioned, Seventeen debuted the year before that. So they were definitely in that, like, cycle of when I first started listening to K-pop. Yeah. I was listening to, like, Monse and Andrew Nice. And I was like, oh, this group is cool. And then I had an experience where my favorite <laughs> member <laughs> was a teenager. Which put you off for a very long time. A really long time. I was like, oh my gosh, my favorite member is a literal child. So, <laughs> And at the time, I was 21, which um, when you're 21, age gaps are a much bigger deal, right? Because the difference between 17 and 21 versus 25 and 29 right. is completely different. Right. So I ignored 17 <laughs> for like, how many years did I ignore them? It would have been, you got into them, what, in 2020? Yeah, 2020. So, so quite a long time. <laughs> four years. I was like, I don't know anything. I don't have, I don't want anything to do with 17 for like four years. And that had nothing, like, did not have to do with anything but me trying to get you into 17 <laughs> during those years. You were very adamant that you were mm-hmm. like, I am not, I'm not doing this. I no. can't do it. They're too yeah. young. Yep. But... Look at where we are now. And then you stayed friends with me anyway, which yeah. I think is <laughs> amazing. Because when we first met in 2018, I was actually your birthday weekend. Yep. Which is why we're hanging out now. Yes. Because it's your birthday weekend. Yes. Um, and your birthday overlaps with 17th anniversary. Yes. By 12 hours. Which is amazing. <laughs> um, in KST. Yeah. And so we did like a PowerPoint party of our favorite K-pop groups. Yep. Which was really fun. And you did 17. And I was like actively avoiding the screen I was like I'm not looking I'm not looking because I was like I can't look at that kid and then something happened in 2020 yeah they had a comeback and my favorite member who I will now reveal is Lee Chen do you know (laughs) was not 17 anymore no (laughs) and I was like oh okay a man (laughs) right and also like like I said like I had grown up a lot and he had grown up a lot so like now that we're both in our mid to late 20s it wasn't like weird anymore right you know I just so happened to fall in love with the member that was the same age as me yeah so I had a very different experience right so when I first got into 17 our mutual friend Megan Mm -hmm. got us got me specifically into Mm k-pop um you became friends with her because of k-pop yeah and I was just 
strung along into this. Yeah, we kind of like <laughs> into this we universe. Kind of like pulled you in with us. Um, and she came over. I remember it plain as day. Came over with a list of music videos mm-hmm. and said, "We're going to watch all of these music videos, and then you're going to pick one that's your favorite." Yeah. And I was pretty adamant. I was like, "I'm not going to get into more music." Like I was already into a lot of music. Music has always been mm-hmm. an emotional connection for me. And so to have a lot of music connections mm-hmm. um, can be overwhelming. And so I was very adamant that I was not going to get into it like I did with pop punk. Well, and that's actually an overlap from my first episode. Yeah. Because one of the things that we first talked about when we first became friends is how we were, were both like elder emos, yeah. pop punk fans yeah. through and through. And you like, fall out boy, me all time low. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was definitely one of these moments where she showed me a bunch and she knew exactly which ones to pick (laughs) because I am a dancer like I have been a dancer for a really long time Mm -hmm. and k-pop is known for their dancing yep and especially 17 especially 17 and so she showed me some Audrey and for a week after Audrey Nice was playing in my head constantly Mm -hmm. like an earworm and I couldn't get it out and finally, I was like, gave in and said, whatever, like, we're just going to go deep dive into who they are, what they what they're about. Like, let's listen to some other music, see if I vibe with the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked in a week, like yeah. knew exactly <laughs> like this was the group that I was going to fall for. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not straying far away from them. Like, I'm going to hold tight and learn everything about them because I have to. And all of a sudden, I watched Change Up. Because yeah. Change Up had just come out. Right. Uh, like a month before I had gotten into them. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where Scoops looks up at the camera mm-hmm. in his rose colored glasses and he's sitting in a car and he's just vibing like yes. the Leo that he is. <laughs> and well, and you mentioned this with like the Boxu era. Yeah. That was like a turning point for 17's sex appeal. Yeah. Because they were a right concept yep from debut yep they were really like sunshiny like i wouldn't say they were like bubblegum but just very like bright energy yeah and then boxu came out and they were like we're here hey. to fuck actually <laughs> it's like we are here we want you to love us mm-hmm. in a very sexual way yeah. <laughs> like let's do it they were like we're all grown up babes and there was also like if you are a fan of 17 you know exactly what we're talking about the, yeah. kill- the killing moment with yep Coops. yep in boxu <laughs> That was like Coops's. That was his second debut. Yep. <laughs> With that lean over and yeah. the, the gray hair and just like everything about it. No shirt under the Nothing. blazer. Ugh. And then when Change Up happened, it was like a different version mm-hmm. of that Coops. Yeah. And I looked at him dead in those eyes, like with the rose-colored glasses and I was like I don't care who this person is I don't care what he's about but this is it like this is my bias I just learned this word that yeah. I just <laughs> like I just found out what a bias was and I said this is him like mm-hmm. I don't care and I remember going into work like a week or two later talking with my coworker about it and I said I think I found my bias and mm-hmm. she goes don't worry it's going to change because your your first bias is never your bias, like your future bias. And I would say that you are the exception to that yeah, rule. <laughs> very much so. Because I stuck to him like glue. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Scoops, he is a Leo. And he is very much a you-can-only-like-him person. Like, he says it in fan calls. Yeah. He is very much a jealous man. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like somebody else, he's like, you can't. 
he's so like there's like a carrot joke which i forgot to say this at the top of the episode but like fans of 17 are called carrots if you're not familiar 24 carat gold kind of thing right like diamonds is their concept so uh we are carrots and there's like an inside joke among carrots that like coops is in a parasocial relationship with coupons yeah like (laughs) exactly as much as you are with him he is also with you (laughs) exactly and so i stuck to him and i'm very loyal to him like everybody in our friend group knows like Mm -hmm. i don't give a crap about anybody else and that like as a whole, mm-hmm. I love Seventeen. Like, I love every individual one of oh, them. Yeah. Like, they are my babies. Like, I want them forever. Like, I want to have them with me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Scoops is, like, mine. Right. And I I am the Scoops friend. Like- yeah, you really are. <laughs> um, and I think, like, that's a good transition to talk to a little bit about, like, the culture of being a K-pop fan of a boy group in particular. Yeah. So, um, in like the broader industry, I would say like the highest grossing groups historically forever in K-pop have always been girl groups. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, like intersecting factors to that, that I'm not going to get into in this episode, probably in a future episode. Cause I have a friend who is a super girl group stan Ooh. and she would love to talk about yes. that. But one of the reasons is that, um, South Korea has a mandatory military conscription. And so, um, girl groups don't have to enlist, so they have consistent careers. And being a fan of a boy group, and this is something that I don't think either of us really realized when nope. we first got into K-pop, that we were going to be, like, army, army spouses. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Seventeen is what we call, like, a third-gen group, which means that they're all approaching their enlistment era soon. Yep. Um, which is really challenging because this, like Joel mentioned, is their eight year anniversary. Yep. Um, literally today is their eight year anniversary. And, um, this is when their careers start to kind of shift. Yeah. Um, especially with a group as large as 17, like 13 members, there's a five year or a four year age gap between the oldest member and the youngest member, which means that their enlistment period is going to be really long. Um, and I think for you, like as a Kuprong, he's going to go first. (laughs) It's absolutely devastating. But you also have the benefit of him coming back first. That's true. Which is nice. Um, you have to wait the longest. I do. I know. I'm like, oh, Lee Chen is going to be, he's going to be in the military in like 2030 or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, I think the nice thing about feeling so strong in who your favorite member is, is that when their careers inevitably change, you will still have that connection to that member. So like Joelle was mentioning our mutual friend, Megan, Megan and I became friends because we're VIPs, which are fans of Big Bang and in particular G-Dragon. Like we are diehard G-Dragon fans. Like I have a G-Dragon tattoo. Um, And so that's how Megan and I started becoming friends. And um, so Big Bang actually enlisted in 2018, which was so hard because they were like the group at the time. BTS was just starting to take them over. But they were, like, before BTS, really, like, the top K-pop group. And, like, now, obviously, if you know anything about Big Bang, they've had a lot of scandals. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the era that they're in now is that they're all solo artists. And, like, what's nice about being a G-Dragon fan is that I still get to enjoy his solo music. And I love it. And it's good. And right. it's challenging and fun. And I think that we will see a lot of that from Seventeen, like, post-enlistment. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think... Seventeen is very much one of those groups that is stronger together, but it's yeah, not that they can't be solo artists. I think some of them can 
more so than others. Mm-hmm. But I think as a group, they're so strong. Yeah, they really and are. And it's hard to beat that. And I think another mutual friend and I were talking about it when I was visiting Korea is it's really hard for us as carrots to gravitate towards groups that are smaller mm-hmm. because we just love the impact and the power that 17 presents mm-hmm. as a 13 member strong group. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so it's hard. I, I love TXT, but <laughs> it's really hard for me to get into TXT as much as I d- am with 17. Yeah. Because there, it's such a small group compared to 13 members. And that's actually part of why the main reason I didn't get into 17 was Lee Chen. But <laughs> a secondary reason was because there were so many members. Yeah. Because I am a tried and true five member group stan. Right. Big Bang was five members. Winner was five members. Obviously, neither of those groups are five members anymore. <laughs> um, but they were. And then Tomorrow by Together, TXT, that Joel was mentioning, is five members. Yeah. Like for me, the five member recipe was like the sweet spot. Right. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to like 13 of them. And now, as like a diehard carrot, I'm like, I can't imagine liking less than 13 men. Right? <laughs> like, 13 is like, you. it feels large, but when you're like immersed in like the 17 carat culture, like, I feel like I spend time with all of them. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I think I've said it multiple times um, throughout our entire friendship is mm-hmm. that if 17 wasn't my first group, I yeah. probably would not have gotten to them. Yeah. Um, because it was a huge undertaking. And I mean, it took a good two and a half months of me being a full carrot to really know each individual person. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it does take a long time to know them. But once you do, it feels like you have a personal connection with each individual one of them. Yeah, totally. And I think they are really good about posting on Weverse and like they do lives and they post on Instagram now, which if any of you guys are around, like Instagram was not, something that they could do until really at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, there, there are, if you're not familiar with K-pop culture and like idol culture, there are, depending on the company, a lot of restrictions on what idols can and can't do in terms of their social media presence. And I would say that there's way more freedom now for yeah. idols than there used to be. Yeah. They kind of have control of their presence online more than they did back in like 2016. Right. And I definitely think some members post more than others. Me being a coupon, we get the least. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Dino is like so dry. I get one Dino post every like two months maybe. That's true. Okay. Maybe, maybe we get a little bit more than Dino, but it's, there's like months at a time where there is nothing. Yeah. But he is very active on Weverse Mm -hmm. and like posts a lot on Weverse and posts a lot. They post a lot of pictures on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We are constantly getting content from them. And especially recently, I think we are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but They're really overproducing content yeah. because 90, the, 90, the members born in 1995 are all about to leave. Yeah, and I don't want to think about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it it's honestly makes me want to cry every I know, time I too. think about it. And I think... Because this is your first this would be ex- my, enlistment yeah, experience. This would be my first. Yeah. First big experience. I mean, definitely being into other K-pop groups, have seen it happen, as most recently with Kai. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely going to be my first, like, major, major love yeah, going in. Yeah, like your ult going in. Yeah. You know? I feel like, for me, the Band-Aid was ripped off so early because my ult is G-Dragon. Yeah. Which ults is short for ultimate bias, like your number one favorite member of any group. And, like, mine is G-Dragon. 
and he left in 2018 and it was so hard. So now I'm like, now I kind of feel a little bit numb to it. Yeah. You know, and, but this is going to be your first like yeah. big. I mean, JB's was hit me a little bit hard, oh, but yeah. at the same That's time, right. JB's didn't feel like a band aid. It kind of felt like a drop. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hey, here's an album. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm leaving yeah. uh, for the next 18 months mm-hmm. to two years. Who knows? And we still don't really know what's going on with him. Yeah. Um, but I also think like this is going to this is going to hit a lot harder than JB. Oh, for sure. And because Scoops is my ultimate ultimate bias. Yeah. Um, so I am not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I am going to cry for probably a month. Um, and anytime someone mentions him, we'll probably cry. Yeah. But it we'll all get through it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be rough. Hopefully we get to see them before it happens. I know, which again, you're so good at a natural segue. Like I think that's a good transition to talk about the OTU tour yeah. and your experience with that because that was right before I got into 17. Yes. So this was right before the pandemic, January of 2020. And I had gone up to New York to hang out with all of y'all because it was also our mutual friend Megan was about to move to Korea. Yep. It was like her last hurrah. Yes. And so we all went for the weekend and I didn't go to the concert. No, because you were very was... adamant. You were not a Seventeen fan. I was like, I don't care about those boys. And I talked about it the whole weekend about how I don't like Seventeen yep. because I was trying so hard not to like Seventeen. And so, like, I didn't actually go to the concert, and I really regret that. And then I got into them, like, four months later. Yeah, and then the pandemic happened. And then the ban- pandemic happened in March. That was the last time that you saw them before... Um, we saw them last summer in 2022 when they came back and like, obviously the whole pandemic was in the middle. So, and there was something very particularly hard about OTU tour. Yes. So I remember this plain as day. I wouldn't call it a core memory because it was devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a memory that will stick in my mind forever. Um, Megan and I had gone to Super M mm-hmm. in DC. We had a bus or a car full of people. It felt like a bus because it was a huge <laughs> was so SUV. Full. There were like six of us in this SUV. And mm-hmm. we had gone up to DC to see Super M, which is another group, and had driven back the same night, like the young 20s that we thought we were. Yep. And I was laying in bed with another mutual friend, Emily. And the next morning, had woken up to a message from Megan, who was in the other room, and it was the notice that Scoops had gone on hiatus for a mental break. And I started sobbing. This was also after we bought the tickets to the concert. Right. So I started crying. Emily rolled over. She asked if I was crying. I said, yes, go back to sleep, because I could not process what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then everyone came into the bed and was like, it's okay, like, that he'll be back before the show. It's only a few months. Mm -hmm. He'll be back by January. It's okay. And he wasn't back. Um, But before you talk about the experience on site, I want to, like, pause to talk about, like, that experience yeah. is the thesis statement of this podcast. Yeah. Because I think you and I have both had this experience even before we were into K-pop, but like in other special interests that we've right. had, we are both the type of people that when we like something, we really, really like yeah. it. And so many people don't understand why that was so emotional for you. No. Like I had, I can like picture people like, I talked about this a little bit in the Fall Out Boy episode, people being like, 
why do you care so much? Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you can still listen to their music. Like, it's just a band. It's just a band, right? But, like, everybody that you were with and, like, our friend group 100% understood what you were feeling. Yeah. And, like, that to me is, like, the the crux of what this podcast is, that there's a lot of us in this, like, fandom space who, like, do really get it. And that's what makes it really special to me. And I'm glad that I was around people who understood me Mm -hmm. because had I been at home with, like, my mom or my sister, they Mm -hmm. would be like, why are you crying? Right. It's not that big of a deal. He just needs a break. And I'm like, yes, he needs a break. But at the same time, I – this is the first time I'm seeing them in – because this was, what, 2019? When so it was had, announced, yeah. It was 2019 when it was announced, late 2019. So I was about two years into my carrotness. Mm-hmm. And so this would be the first time I'm seeing them. And and back then there was no guarantee that right. they would ever come back. Right. Because K-pop was not as popular as it is right. now. Now we're spoiled where we know that they're going to come back every year. Yeah. Like they're going to tour the States because it is so profitable. Right. Back then. We had no idea. We were like, oh my God, a K-pop group is coming to America? Right. Like that, for all you knew back then, like we couldn't have predicted how popular K-pop is now. Yeah. And like you didn't know if that was going to be the only time you were going to get to see them. Right. Because this, like, this was truly going to be the first and only time that I could ever imagine myself seeing them. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a huge undertaking for them to come over here. Mm -hmm. And so I had thought, I'm never going to be able to see him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's never going to happen. Like, I'm never going to see all 13 of them. Mm -hmm. And that was devastating. Yeah. And, I mean, we had from November to January to just, like, live in it. Mm -hmm. And every time I thought about it, I would get sad and I'd be like I don't know if I want to go but I do want to go because they are my favorite group Mm -hmm. and quite honestly the entire concert I sobbed yeah from beginning to end like cried the whole time I get emotional thinking about it now I know because (laughs) because I didn't go to the concert but I was there right and like we were I remember we were standing outside of the sim yeah (laughs) we were waiting for everybody to check out and it was just you and me standing outside and you just started crying yeah (laughs) like like raw just like (laughs) from nothing just started crying and I was just like holding you outside on the sidewalk because like I was like I really do (laughs) like just on the streets of New York just like and it was like it was such an emotionally charged weekend anyway because Megan was leaving yeah and so we were already all a little bit weepy I think yeah and so it was very emotional yeah and just to be in the presence of 17 and then to have them missing one person, mm-hmm. it's a, it's sad. Like, it's, it's really so sad. sad. And I think a lot of people who saw them on this blast tour, like, know the sadness of yes. missing a member. So and, that's a good point for us to talk about. Yeah. We saw them together last year in D.C., yes. which was amazing. Um, and we that was my first time seeing Seventeen. Which was amazing. It was <laughs> so amazing. We got VIP sound check. <laughs> we were on that barricade. Um, but it was still COVID. Yeah. And Hoshi and Joshua weren't there. Were not there. And we found out the night before. We found them we found out the morning of. For one of them we found which member did we find no, out about? Me and so our other friends, Hillary, which you heard about in the last one. Yep. Um, and her sister Bree, mm-hmm. we all the three of us drove up from North Carolina. Um, oh, right. And so we were driving that morning, mm-hmm. and I was driving, and Bree was in the back, and I heard a huge gasp. Mm-hmm. And I, like, my gut dropped. Yeah. Because as someone who saw them without a member, yeah, it's 
kind of it it's a raw like emotional it's feeling. like a gut punch yeah it yeah. hurts and we had known that like a couple of them had had covid while mm. they were here there were yeah. a couple of shows that a member was missing there was dino missing first and that okay so dino was missing from the very first tour date right. And I didn't think he was going to be back by the time our concert came up. Yeah. Like, I was... Emotional. I was so emotional. Like, I was... I felt like you with Coops and, like... Yeah. I literally was, like... I I was, like, choked up for, like, two months because I was, like, he's not going to be there. Yeah. And I, like, I felt... And it was such a conflicting feeling because the night before, they were, like, Dino will be there. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, oh, my God! And then the morning of, they were like, Joshua and Hoshi have COVID. Yep. So it was like this, like, pendulum. And it was so hard because I was so happy and grateful. Yeah. But then now your friends are devastated. Yeah. You know? Because our friend Brie got to sit up with us. Mm -hmm. And she is a very hard Joshua Joshua (laughs) stan. And so the fact that she was not able to see Joshua while we were on the barricade mm-hmm. was really sad for both for all of us yeah for and everyone yeah especially as someone who understands the feeling mm-hmm. um it was really sad and it was really hard to see them at 11 and not 13 mm-hmm. um because it's just not it's never the same yeah when there's at least one member missing. There's like this whole tone shift yeah. for the whole concert. Yeah. Like, and you can even feel that the members are sad. Yeah. You know? And so that was really hard. And I felt like not to get overly um, like political because I talk about that kind of stuff all the time, every day. And the point of this podcast is to have fun. But also like, I do think that political context is relevant Yeah, where like they, so 17's label was purchased by Hybe, yes. which is the label that owns the BTS brand, yes. which if you know anything about K-pop, you know that BTS is the magnum opus of K-pop groups yes. in America, right? So like Hybe acquired Pledis, which was 17's management company, and they were like, we have to capitalize on the explosion of K-pop in America. Yep. And they didn't really care that we were still in a pandemic yes. or that the artists might get sick. And like... So that part of it was, like, really hard because at the crux of it, like, you're disappointed that you're not there, but you're also, like, really concerned about the fact that your favorite artist has COVID. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of them before the tour had COVID. And so a lot of us were, I think, all but three members had COVID before they went on tour. Mm -hmm. And so we were all pretty, feeling pretty safe in that. We were like, okay, three of them had COVID. And Dino was the first person to have COVID that yep. did not have it during the, like, massive COVID yeah. outbreak in 17. Yes. Um, he had escaped the first he infection. He escaped the first infection <laughs> and then got it on the first date. I'm sure he got it on the plane. Oh, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. Um, but he was the first one. And so mm-hmm. we're like, okay, so far, it's only members that haven't had COVID yet. Yeah. So we were feeling pretty comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden people who had it already were getting it uh-huh. and we were Mingyu was second yeah Mingyu was second and he had had it during the massive yeah. outbreak of 2021 them. yeah and so we were feeling very shaky about yeah. it and it was not nice like it was not a good feeling Mm-mm. um especially living in a situation where we know the rest of the world feels like it's over but we are we don't think that right exactly and we were like n95 yep. <laughs> we were masked up but this the was whole something time. that i think was again like going back to like the culture of it 
Carrots did a, a mask project yeah. for the Face the Sun tour. Yeah. Where they were handing out masks and they were like handing out like stickers to decorate masks. And they were like, they had like the digital flyers and they were like, Carrots, mask up for the concert. Yep. And I just felt so like this huge sense of like camaraderie at the concert with these people that were around us because I just felt like these are people that like share our values, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's something that's particularly special about the carrot fandom in particular yeah. because I have been to other K-pop shows and a lot of these people are not good people. Like they're (laughs) unkind, they're selfish, they will trample you for a seat on the barricade and like no one at Face the Sun tour rushed the barricade. Everyone had a mask on. Like there were no saucings around us. Like yeah. I just felt tell. that we could tell. Yeah, yeah, which usually you can tell yeah. with their big ass cameras That's and true. shit. <laughs> but I just was like, wow, like this fandom is really special. Yeah. You know? I honestly think that the most the majority of this the carrots that I have met in my life have been just like so wholesome mm-hmm. and they truly understand like the the boundary, yeah. at least the international carrots that I've met. Yes. I obviously haven't met a lot of K-carrots, mm-hmm. um, but most of the ones that I've met here are just very respectful, um, and there are some people online that are not. And like, and that's every fandom. And that's every fandom, um, but I think the majority of the ones that especially we have become friends with mm-hmm. are very nice. They share our values. We are all just this collective family of carrots and it's really special to have that. And I think part of the reason why is because 17 doesn't put up with our shit. No. And that's something that I really respect about 17 that like not all groups do. Yeah. Like there is this pressure from the industry and this is true of, of Western artists too, of like really rewarding bad behavior of fans. Yeah. And like bending over backwards to do whatever the fans want. Um, and I think your boy in particular is not afraid of being like, don't talk to me like that, yeah. you know? And like, they're very like, um, don't behave that way. Like carrots don't, you know, you are a representation of us. Like they're very willing to call in their fans yeah. shitty behavior. Yeah. And I don't think very many groups actually do that. No. And I mean, you can see it in videos of just, 17 at the airport like scoops is leading them and like pushing people back Mm -hmm. and then if someone gets knocked down he's picking them up like he is very much a he's a a leader and like he is in my personal opinion the best leader (laughs) but I know that's not uh everybody's opinion and that's okay I would say he's one of the best ones for sure like he definitely has the member's best interest at heart yeah and he's like not afraid to set boundaries with carrots and like you know, he's, like, pushing fans away from them at the airport yeah. and, like, scolding people. And even on live, like, people making comments about his hair. And he's, like, it's my hair. I'm going to do what I want with it. Yeah. You know? And, like, I think there is this pressure to, like, be, like, do, like, Ekyo and, like, oh, whatever you want, carrots. And, like, 17 broadly, I don't think really does that. No. Which I really appreciate. Yeah. About them. I mean, they're millennials. Most of them. Right, exactly. Like, a lot of them are millennials. And they're, like, nah, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's. A lot of them, I think, have... So they're a third gen, but I think a lot of them have this, like, second gen 
idea behind their idolship. Yeah. Like, they're like, I'm not going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to do it. I'm not going to. You're not going to pay me to do this. Well, right, because they were broke. Yeah, they were fuck. so like, broke. They were. And and as a non-carrot in 2016 yeah. and 2017, one thing I've always said to you about 17 is that they are a, like, true, like, raw talent underdog group of, like, yeah got where they are because of, of how talented them. they are. Yeah. Because like in 2016, 2017, I would say like Big Bang was huge and they had the power of YG behind them. Right. And same with like XO and they had the power of SM behind them. Yep. And like Icon was really popular back then too. And had YG. And had YG. Like those, it was like the big three back then, like got yeah. seven. They had all this like industry power behind them and they had legacy idols before them. Right. Who had like, built up the brand representation of their company, right? And, like, most of that brand recognition was built by girl groups. Right. Um, And Seventeen was, like, we were, like, nobody knew what Pledis was. No, because Pledis was Orange Caramel, I think. Yeah. And they weren't as huge as some of the other girl groups, and Mm -hmm. so you didn't have a a powerhouse girl group to like back them up. Right. Um, and so they really built themselves up Mm -hmm. like they were broke and, and for them to be in the like Mnet charts with EXO and big bang and even BTS at the time was very popular too. BTS was like in the beginning of their crescendo. Right. And like 17 was on those winter boards with them. Yeah. You know, like they got a win very early in their career. It was their, First comeback, right? Pretty mm-hmm. you? Yeah. And, like, that, it was just, they were, they're, like, they're from this, like, tiny company. Yep. Like, it was just really, I was very impressed by them, even though I was avoiding them, you know? Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think culminating to that, to where now we got to see them at Face the Sun tour. Yep. This huge, like, arena tour. Yes. But we were also, like, kind of sad, because, yes. again, it was, like, 11 I've numbers. I've never seen, at that point, never saw... All, all 13. 13 and that as a as a full-blown carrot yeah is very hard mm-hmm. to process but then but <laughs> i just so happened to be going to la for work mm-hmm. um and there was 17 was playing in their first festival in the u.s mm-hmm. um besides kcon which i don't really consider like a festival, festival. yeah it was like a so kcon for those that don't know, is, like, a Korean culture conference. Right. Um, and there's usually one in L.A. and one in New York. And But it's, like, again, a small convention for K-pop fans. Right. It's not a so music festival. Very much targeted towards K-pop fans, yeah. whereas this festival was the first of, their, of its kind mm-hmm. that combined, that allowed them to, like, come and share their music with other music lovers mm-hmm. and like Snoop Dogg was a headliner yeah at this festival Snoop Dogg there was Jane Goodall was there mm-hmm. don't really know why <laughs> um, it was basically a culture festival for Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I saw the ticket as soon as I booked my flight to LA for work and I said well you know I can change that flight and so I did and I bought a ticket and I was gonna go by myself I said you know I don't care like, I still, I have to see 17 full strong, like, as 13, at least once in my life. And mm-hmm. this was also at a time where we didn't know when Scoops and Jung-on and Joshua, or Scoops and Jung-on were going to go into the military. Yeah. Because they were still processing, or, like, they were still using international age, or non-international age 
Yeah. So, um, for the context of that in, in Korea, like they had the Korean age, which is that uh, at the like new at lunar new year, you turn a year older. Yes. And so most idols are a year older than their like birth certificate birthday in Korea, which means that they would have had to enlisted sooner. Yeah. And as of May of this year, they abolished Korean age and are going by international age. Right. Which gave every idol an extra extra year year of their career, every, every male idol, the extra year of their career before they have to enlist. So, but we didn't know that back then. We did not know that last, (laughs) in, uh, in December of last year. So we were like waiting every day for an enlistment announcement. Yeah. And I was very devastated. (laughs) Um, and so I said, well, you know, I have to see 17 as 13 strong at least once in my life before they jet off to the military. Mm -hmm. And then we're like five years of nothing. Um, so I, I bought the ticket and, uh, a week before, a week or two before, we got a message from our friend, our other mutual friend, Allie, um, to say, hey, I have a flight credit. I'm coming with you. <laughs> and I said, bet, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so she's a fellow Coopering. Mm-hmm. And so we just vibed. We had a great time. We got to see all 13 of them on stage. And it truly felt like a sound check because yeah I said before this happened I said I want them to come out in like plain street clothes like just a vibe for an hour just like play their hearts out to all these people who are really here for Snoop Dogg and (laughs) and then yeah like like converting the Snoop fans yeah like let's let's convert these people (laughs) to carrots um and so I had my carrot bong which is a light stick that we carry around all the time mm-hmm. um, and decorate and it's super fun. Um, yeah, I think light stick culture is actually one of my favorite things about yeah. being a fan of a K-pop group because the unity that you feel in an audience at a K-pop show yeah. with a light stick that is synced to the Bluetooth of the performance of yep. the show and like every single light stick lights up the same color at the same time. Yeah. Like Oh my gosh. It it's is special. It's, it's beautiful. Special. It's amazing. Um, but we were there at the show and it was just an hour of music from 17 and they played songs that we haven't heard on tour. So I was so jealous. It was amazing. <laughs> and like my videos look like I'm going insane because I did not care what I was doing. I mm-hmm. was vibing and truly one of my favorite experiences from that show was watching the cameraman for the festival break down and like watch Ajunice, which for carrots, Ajunice is a just a party. Like, Iconic. It's like <laughs> 20 minutes of jumping and screaming and vibing and mm-hmm. like laughing and then faking out that they're getting off stage and then yeah, it's called starting endless, again. Endless Ajunice. Yes. Where they just keep doing it over and over again and this cameraman after like the third time that they they faked out and said psych he goes what the fuck is happening (laughs) and just like ran to the front of the stage and it was so funny and it's like truly the what you feel as a carrot and but also for someone who has never experienced it before Mm -hmm. it was hilarious to watch someone do it for the first time yeah I love that, too, because, like, there is these, like, inside jokes. And, again, like, not to lean too far into the parasocial, but I do think, like, 
in K-pop groups and then specifically with Seventeen, like we have these like inside jokes as a fandom with the artists. Yeah. Right. Where like we know that the very the very first note of Ajunice, we know that we're about to be screaming and jumping for the next ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. Because we know about endless Ajunice. Yes. And at a Seventeen concert and even at like KCON. Yeah. That's gonna feel normal. Right. But then in, at this like festival. Yeah. Where Snoop is about to come on stage. Yeah. Everyone's high. <laughs> right. And you're like looking around and like you and Allie obviously know what's going on. Yeah. And like the handful of carrots who yeah. went. But then like the rest of the crowd being like. I have no idea. <laughs> and like I actually was reading some testimonies about that festival in LA. What is it? Like LA 3C. Mm, something like that. And people, I get it wrong. <laughs> I know. It's like C3 or 3C. One yeah. of those. But people were being like people who were not K-pop fans were like. Yeah, I don't know what that Korean group was, but, like, they fuck. Like, that yeah. was crazy. And yeah. I was, like, 17, changing the world. Right. You know? And so I just – things like that make me feel very proud of them. Yeah. You know? I was really proud of them because they – I mean, they played um, Shears, which is a leader group or mm-hmm. leader unit Sub-unit, yeah. um, song, and which, back to the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> was – Change Up was also a leader-only song. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, the version two of Change Up. And Shears is, quite honestly, one of those party songs that gets yeah. everybody jumping. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes crazy. It has a little bit of a Western vibe, I think. Yeah. Um, and also, again, just additional context. So Seventeen, because there are so many members, mm-hmm. have a unique structure as a group where they have more than one leader. Right. Because the vast majority of K-pop groups have one. have one leader of the whole group. Um, and the, and 17 has those units, right? So hip hop unit, vocal unit and performance unit. And so there's a leader of each unit. Right. So like Coops is the overall leader and hip hop and hip hop unit leader. Yeah. And then Uji is vocal unit. Mm-hmm. And then Hoshi is the performance unit leader. So their subunit is the three of them. Yes. And they are arguably at the risk of like carrots attacking me on the yeah. internet. <laughs> The three of them are arguably the three most talented members of the group. I agree. Which is why they're the leaders, yes. right? They are aces. They are yeah. quadruple threats. The three of them can literally do, do anything. anything. And so for them to do a song together. Yeah. It's magical. Yeah. It's on another level. It really is. I mean, it's what got me loving Scoops in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we had a version two of it, yeah. everyone lost their minds. Donkey Pong Pong will always be famous. (laughs) With that little booty shaking and everything. And at the festival, Hoshi throwing up his middle finger. I know. And saying, like, (laughs) let's fucking go. Like, it was a wild, wild time. And especially because I have, like, followed Seventeen for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Like, to hear them cussing in the first place. Right. And, like, acting like fools is crazy to me. And now their most recent comeback is literally titled Fuck My Life. Yeah. And again, this is another thing that I love about Seventeen and also which is the reason that I loved Big Bang to begin with and also Winner. So Winner yeah. is my other favorite group. Um, YG groups in general were much less policed than other groups. Yeah. They have so much more freedom in their personal life. Yes. Of what they can and can't do, which is why I liked them. Like, yeah. Mino and Jiang smoke cigarettes at the club. They do whatever they want to do. They Bobby date. has a baby. Bobby has a whole baby. <laughs> like... They are not as, like, heavily policed, right? Yeah. They get to, like, live their lives. And that is something that I'm really drawn to in a K-pop group because the, like, over-sanitizing 
of a group of grown men making music in order to keep fans from being mad. Yeah. Like, do you remember, it was like 2018 before XO's enlistment period started, and they went on a TV show, and Baekhyun was like, we're going to get married one day, and XO Wells booed him on national television. yeah. Yeah. I was like, but then oh. Chen comes out and has two kids now, right? Exactly, <laughs> and a wife, <laughs> and a wife, and like, but that the backlash of that was enormous. Oh yeah, and it's like, huge. Seventeen does whatever the fuck they want to do. Yep, and I really appreciate that about them. I will say, like, as as someone who has watched Seventeen for a really long time mm-hmm. and like has seen all of these like dating scandals come out and everything, yeah. like Seventeen doesn't really have them. They have maybe a handful of them mm-hmm. and i mean the most recent one of scoops i don't even know about that one. Oh, so recently um there was a picture of a guy wearing a jacket that was similar to the one that scoops wears in fuck my life mm-hmm. and someone posted wow. this picture and it was wow. of him and i think another girl and it was potentially jenny who knows um, oh and my gosh. So this pic- Je- everyone thinks Jenny from Blackpink is dating everyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so they posted this photo and quite literally carrots were like, it can't be him. It can't be because mm-hmm. it's, this person has a flat ass. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, I did hear about this actually. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. They were literally like, that's not Koopy's cake. No, <laughs> that is not his because he has a big butt he and does. everybody knows it. He does. And I mean, it's great. But I'm not even a Cooperong, but I do stand Coop's ass for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. For it's sure. amazing. So the fact that his first dating scandal gets shut down just because of his ass, mm-hmm. like, that's insane. Yeah. And there was that wild. scandal, like, a couple of months ago with, like, Vernon dating, like, a makeup artist, I think. I think. Or, or like, a stylist. Something. It was a stylist or yeah. something. Because oh, she posted a picture of a teddy bear on her story yes. that Vernon also has. Yes. And she was like, my boyfriend gave me this. Yeah. And it's the most generic brown teddy bear you've ever <laughs> right? seen. And it was like, Vernon was seen with this teddy bear coming back from America. And you're like, oh, okay. A fan oh, bought him that from fan. Target. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what? I thought that was really funny. But again, like, there's no fallout from these scandals of 17. No. Because they're like... We don't, we don't care. We don't care. And Pledis never makes them apologize for no. being human beings, no. which I like. So yeah, there's definitely been much less scandal. Yeah. And I think that's because they are less police. They can just yeah. live life so they don't have to sneak around. Right. You know? But I think what I kind of want to talk about with our friendship with Seventeen and with K-pop in general is like, I feel like now where we're at in 2023, we are older K-pop fans yes. now. Which I have kind of never graduated from my mindset of being a new K-pop fan. Me either. (laughs) Because when I first got into them in 2016, my friend Allie, a different Allie, got me into K-pop formally by introducing me to BTS and Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So I felt like the youngest person in the timeline of liking K-pop because my friends at that time all already liked it. But like... Since then, we have all, and then, like, you and, like, my fiancé became K-pop fans, like, after me. Yeah. And now our friend group are all K-pop fans, and now we're seeing, like, people in high school becoming fans of K-pop. Which is wild to me. It's so wild, because now, it's still culturally very different, I think. Yeah. But the thing that's similar is, like, now there's a touring expectation similar to Western artists. Right. Whereas, back then... 
if there was a tour date announced in America, I was going. <laughs> we were like, it was literally like, I will drop my life savings to fly wherever they're going to be yeah. because we don't know if they're ever going to come back. It yeah. was so rare. And like the first US K pop tour I heard of actually was the Wonder Girls opening for the Jonas Brothers in the early 2000s. Oh, I did not know this. Yes. And they played at a mall in Virginia Beach Whoa. with the Jonas Brothers because the Jonas Brothers were like a brand new to- like yeah. group. Like it was before they were really popular. Yeah. So like that's the kind of shit that we were used to. Yeah. And now we know that we're going to get arena or stadium tours yeah. of our favorite groups every year. Yeah. So I feel like we're a little bit spoiled now. Yeah. And which is great. But at the same time. We don't have that kind of money. Right. I mean, like, we're adults, and we make adult money, yeah. but we don't make that much adult money right. to the point where we can just, like, gallivant off to New York City every weekend just uh-huh. to see a new K-pop band. Right. Um, it's difficult, and, like, you have to weigh out your options of, like, okay, well, 17 is my main goal this year because we don't know when they're going into the military. Yeah. Whereas, like, I just missed TXT, uh-huh. but I know they are children, compared to they're me. not children I know I know <laughs> like they're younger so it's yeah. gonna be easier for uh, me to see them next year they have a couple more years of career on them still right like they the oldest member was born in 1999 so he has a couple of years left so I feel like what I am thinking about a lot recently is that how our kind of schedules revolve around tour now because yeah. they just keep announcing tour dates for yes. all the groups that we like. But if I pull it back to like the roots of what first got us into it, like we didn't have YouTube shows. No. We didn't have Instagram even. No. <laughs> we didn't have Weverse. We had a music video and a prayer. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> exactly. And like, I feel like that at the end of the day, like, Without all of this extra content, would I would still be carrot at the end of the day. Same. You know? And that feels, like, very important and special. Yeah. You know? And, like, bleeds out into other areas of our life and, like, our friendship. Because I feel like, similarly, we would still be friends without Seventeen. I think so, too. But our friendship is so much more fun. Yeah. Because of Seventeen. Exactly. And, like, our lives are fun because of Seventeen. You mentioned earlier, like, you've been a dancer all your yep. life. And, like, now you're able to, like, marry dance with Seventeen? Yeah. So when I got into Seventeen, it was obviously largely because of their dancing. Mm -hmm. So when I studied abroad, I got to live in a life where K-pop was at the roots of everything. Like, where I studied abroad, they had a K-pop dance society. And so I joined and married my two loves Mm -hmm. of K-pop and dance and was able to learn dances every week. And then also have K-pop club nights on the month, like on a regular. And so I got so much content all the time and like around people that shared the love that I have. Mm -hmm. And so then when the pandemic hit, I didn't have that. And I mean, I had my friends, which was great, but Mm -hmm. there is that still that empty feeling of like, I can't dance anymore with K-pop. And then a local studio opened up in February of this year. And I've been able to dance every week with a new K-pop group and meet a bunch of people that all love dance and Mm K-pop. And it's a special kind of connection that is not normal. (laughs) It's it's not something that's easily accessible. It's very, very special. It's so niche that like we are able to be around people that just 
we are all multi-stands. Like mm-hmm. we love our, we love our main group. Um, but we are also in love with every other group and mm-hmm. we don't care what song is playing every week or being taught every week. We just want to be there and have fun and like vibe with K-pop and learn a new dance every week. Well, and one of your first new friends there brought you a custom a birthday present. But the what wasn't it like the second week that you went, they brought you oh, a decorated yeah. Coop's photo card. Yes. And that person barely knew you then. Yeah. And like made that for you. And like again, like that's the thesis statement of the podcast for me. Right. From the outside, people think we're like cringe and weird. Yeah. But on the inside, it is one of the most like unifying, comforting, affirming, supportive environments. Yeah. If you find those right people, right? right? Like you were talking earlier about people online. Yes. There's always going to be shitty people online. Yes. But like that person like at your dance studio, like making you a photo yeah. card, like. It was truly special. Yeah. And that is everything. Just the fact that she came up to class and said, hey, I made this for you. Um, I was so touched. We had only been in, in one, we had been in a program together. Mm-hmm. And so it was a month long program of learning cheers. And then we filmed a video mm-hmm. and then we went to another show like we, would, we did another program together then like second second practice she comes with photo cards for me and I was just so touched because yeah. that's a friendship that you just don't get on mm-hmm. an on a regular which was really cool yeah the like thoughtfulness in yeah. k-pop fandoms in particular like if you have a shared interest with somebody it unifies you in a way that like doesn't that I think is very rare in other fandoms yeah right? and so just to kind of like close us out I wanted to talk about, from our perspective as Carrots, where Seventeen has been and where we think the future with them is going to take us. Yeah. I So Seventeen has been in a lot of places recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're definitely one of, without getting hate from other people, <laughs> I think they're one of the most popular groups right now. Totally. In Korea. And, and in the States. In, in the States. Um, they're very well known by a lot of people, which me being the person that I am and Mm. like similar to you I like being part of my niche crowd and so the fact that they aren't niche anymore makes me cry a little bit I know like literally (laughs) every because I and I had I talked about this in the follow-up episode when a band that you love so much is finally successful to the level that they deserve to be yep and you're so proud of them but you're you're so heartbroken because you're like I don't want to share this with you (laughs) So yeah, and and the the pre-orders for yeah. the Fuck My Life album. Yeah, I'm not the most pre-ordered album yep. in K-pop history. Yeah. Is a 17 album. Yep. That is crazy. Yeah. That album debuted on the Billboard charts. Yes. Like super high. Yes. There was a bunch of things. Top 10. Top 10. There was a top 2 a, and number 1 on certain things. Yeah, on the Mnet um, chart. Yeah. And it was crazy how successful this last album was, mm-hmm. which I am so proud of them, yes. but I'm also scared for ticketing um, yes. <laughs> because that means it's going to be a lot harder for us to get tickets, mm-hmm. but they started with nothing. Right. Like they started so small. A camcorder and a dream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> quite honestly. And we've seen this like gradual boom of them and it's so fascinating to watch it mm-hmm. and to see them go from just like a random, a re- like a random stage in New York, like small venue, all mm-hmm. GA, yeah. to all the way to a, a stadium is going to be Capital One Arena is amazing, yeah. and just to see like a huge collective of carrots loving on them, mm-hmm. um, it's totally what they deserve, and 
the future is probably going to be a lot of fighting with carrots to get tickets. <laughs> um, and the future is also going to be a lot of solo stuff, which Scoops has said that something will be coming out. Um, he doesn't know what it is, uh-huh. but something is going to be coming out. And that means in K-pop, we've got this new vibe, I guess, from every group. These third-gen groups are going to start breaking off into solos. And a lot of times that means that after a solo project, they do go into the military. And that yeah. is what happened with all of EXO. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening with all of my, like with Monster X. And like you see it and it's... And 17 and winter. Yeah. I feel like 17, this is a maybe a optimistic prediction. But I think 17 is one of the groups post-hiatus that is going to come back as a full group. I think so too. Home. I fully believe that. And I think like they fully believe that too. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have a feeling they're going to be one of those groups that is just around for a really long time. Third gen super junior. Yeah. They're never <laughs> they're, going they're away. They're never, never <laughs> going to go away. And, but I also think they're going to never go away, but in different facets of K-pop. And mm-hmm. like, I think Woozy's going to be more like ingrained into other groups. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he's, he's going, going to become to start, a producer. For yeah. yeah. I think he's going to start producing more for other groups, even though right now he's, a sole producer for 17. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's going to branch out into other groups, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. And that's what Ji Young did. Yeah. Uh, G Dragon, like when they became OT4 yes. for reasons we will not speak on. Yes. And then, uh, you know, during enlistment and stuff, yeah. like he became a producer for YG and produced for like younger groups in YG. Yeah. And I can definitely see Uji being a leader and a mentor in that way. Yeah. On the music side. Same. For sure. I can see Hoshi being a choreographer long term. Yep. I think they're going to have like full careers and I think that they're able to, they're flexible enough that they're able to like come back as a full group mm-hmm. and stand on their like own, um, yeah. you know. So I'm excited for the future. One thing I've noticed about um, idols when they come back from enlistment is that they are a little bit less concerned about their idol image yes. when they come home. <laughs> Which I think they're already pretty unconcerned about yeah. their idol image. Um, totally. And so the fact that they'll be less concerned about their idol images is kind of boring. <laughs> I know. Like, how much how much more, like, unfiltered can they get? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I am, like, selfishly, as a Dino stan, I am excited for him to have his moment. Because yeah. as a Dino stan... And this is something that Dino Naras talk about all the time. Yes. There's this, like, famous tweet from, like, one of the most popular Dino accounts online that's like, why is it always Dino and his 12 youngs? Why is it never just Dino from 17, Lee Chen? And I do feel like he has a little bit of that as, like, the makne of a group that's so large. Yeah. I am going to be really sad when when other members enlist, older members enlist. But, yeah. like, as a Dino bias, like... I'm excited for him to have some space to cultivate his identity as an artist without yeah. 17. And I think like so many of the members have their own like niche things that they do. Whereas like Dino doesn't, I don't feel like Dino like knows who Dino is yet. Yeah. I agree. Um, whereas like Boo is a great MC. Right. Like, yes. Um, you've got all the fashion icons of Seventeen mm-hmm. who have been at fashion, Paris Fashion Week. Mingyu and, is like, a model. Mingyu is a model. And Mingyu will always be a model. Yeah. I think Hoshi in particular has a, has that special sauce. Yeah. He's got, like, the it factor. Yeah, and, like, he knows who he is. I think Dino just does has not had the space to, like, really figure out who he is yet. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And so I'm definitely excited to see, like, how he grows over the next few years, as well as Vernon. 
I feel like of the Mocknade line, Vernon and Dino just like, like they have their spaces, but they just don't feel like they. I don't think either of them can stand on their own right now. Right. And I think, but I think Vernon is further ahead because of Black Eye. Yes, I agree. Black Eye gave Vernon such an identity. Yeah. Like such a strong solo presence. Yeah. And I feel like that was because Bands Boy, let's be real. Bands Boy is not good. No. Okay. (laughs) I have always felt like Vernon's voice is one of the most unique in 17. Yeah. I feel like Vernon's parts and songs are always really standout parts. Yeah. But like... Black Eye really made Vernon noticeable to me as a solo artist. Yeah. And Dino really hasn't had that chance. Yeah. You know. I think once Dino's 13 tapes comes out, then yeah. Dino will know who Dino is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think his 13 tape is going to come out during this enlistment period. Oh, same. You know? I agree. So. Well, I mean, these 13 tapes are going to take 13 years because right now I know. there's a whole year. <laughs> well, you should actually talk about what that is. So 13 tapes is the solo projects of each individual member. Mm-hmm. So, so far we have three 13 ta- of the 13 tapes. We have Spider, mm-hmm. um, which was Hoshi's. Um, and then we have Ruby, which was Woozy's. Mm-hmm. And then we have Black Eye, which was Vernon's. Mm-hmm. And other artists have come, other members of 17 have come out with solo projects, but it hasn't been a part of the 13 tapes brand. Right. Um, which are official produced solo tracks from the label right and they have like an album that comes with it and it's like a magazine type situation and it's a solo project that they started when hoshi came out with spider Mm -hmm. it has been a year in between each of them yeah so that's why we joke that it's gonna be 13 13 years years before it's done which is a great marketing plan actually yeah it is (laughs) um i have a prediction that coops will be next yeah so do um, I. Um, and I'm going to cry when it comes out. Um, and then Jong-un after him. Yep. And then I think after that, though, I don't think... I think Joshua's will probably be one of the last because he doesn't Same. have to serve. Same. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to their solo projects. I'm looking forward to see where they all grow yeah. and change. I, you know, I don't think this will be the last time that we talk about 17 on this podcast, probably. Let's hope not. <laughs> um, because there's so much to talk about yeah. around 17. But um, I wanted to, similar to the Fall Out Boy episode, just kind of like dive in a little bit. I felt I felt like this was the appropriate time to talk about this yeah. because we became friends on your birthday, which is the shared 17 anniversary. Yes, KST. Um, KST, <laughs> KST. And we are here again now. So happy eighth anniversary 17 and carrots <laughs> and happy birthday thank you and thank you for joining me today of i really course. we have these kinds of conversations all the time anyway. we do and so now it's just recorded now it's just official <laughs> and other people can talk to us about it too if they want to so is there anything that you want to promote or put out there or talk about maybe like about dia or anything sure so dia dia is a dance studio in North Carolina. Um, Check it out. We make videos all the time. It's a great place for people around the area to love on Mm -hmm. K-pop. Yeah, come join me. Yeah, check out Joelle dancing on Instagram (laughs) because she is amazing. 
Yeah. So as always, if you like the show, you can rate five stars. You can turn on automatic downloads, subscribe. Um, the sub- subscribe and automatic downloads really goes a long way to push the show in the music category, entertainment category. So definitely come through and let me know your thoughts. And also you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at get your fix pod. And I would love for you to come and yell at me about 17. <laughs> come yell at Joelle about 17. Come hang out with us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, would love to hear your experience if you are a carrot out there would love to hear your stories about 17 and how you're connected to them and if you're not a carrot you will be after you listen to this episode yes hopefully um stream fuck my life (laughs) Um, stream super yes uh so as always thank you for joining me and i'll see you on the next episode of